Over 30 years of serving the Arizona homeowner. 13 years in a row ranking Arizona's best referral network. RosieOnTheHouse.com Protecting you, informing you, and educating you. It's Rosie on the House. Well, we've been up in the treetops all last hour. That was fun. Good luck to all the uh, contestants in the uh, tree climbing contest in Snowflake, Arizona this weekend. We're going to come out of the trees, get on the ground, and talk about the one topic I have to explain to more people, more times, more often than any other topic ever since we moved to Arizona in 1965. We moved here from South Louisiana, where there was an overabundance of snakes, alligators, mosquitoes, and water. And our relatives were always asking us, why would you move someplace where there is no water and everything out there wants to stick you or eat you? Scorpions, snakes, cacti. And it took me about four or five years to realize why and how special the great state of Arizona is. And I've had to defend the forefathers of Arizona ever since in our business of being a builder and remodeler of how can I be a participant in that industry with a clear conscience, knowing we live in the desert with no water. How can we keep providing housing for people when we're already so starving for water? So we're bringing in some real experts on the topic this particular hour. We hope you'll call with your questions. Our number is one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. If you have a question about the water supply, the drought conditions in the southwest of the great state of Arizona, we have the people for you to talk to. Laura, thank you for coming in. And Laura... Grignano. Grignano. Uh, see, I should be able to. I should be able to handle that. It's a tough Grignano. one. Grignano. Grignano. That's it. You got it. Uh, now, the only thing harder than your last name is your title. <laughs> Manager of Central Arizona Groundwater Replenishment District. Yes, sir. That's it. You got it right. Um, now, I need your cell number so I can just start giving your number away. If you want to talk to somebody about it, here, call Laura. <laughs> that's a big title. It is a big title. Well, uh, when do you decide that's the title you're going to go search for in your career? Well, thanks for that question. Uh, I have had a long career in Arizona water management. I've worked in, uh, in the field for 25 years. Um, half of that was at the Arizona Department of Water Resources, and the last half has been with Central Arizona Project. And for the last four years, I've been manager of the Central Arizona Groundwater Replenishment District. So, Central Arizona Project is a, con- a concrete ditch that's, I don't know, 320 miles long? 336 Three, miles 336. long. 336. Uh, basically, a vein uh, out of the Colorado River that we distribute through this, the populated areas of of, uh, Arizona. Yes, sir. We bring it over through around North Phoenix, down through Pinal County, right into Tucson, 
And then any few dribbles that end up at the end of the ditch <laughs> that aren't used, we just pump those back in the ground. Yes. It's and an ingenious ditch. It is. It's a very important part of Arizona and Arizona's economy. And we've also brought in Vanetta Carta. Vanetta, thank you for joining. And your title is Colorado River Program Manager. Now, who could we want in a room other than you two to talk about our current drought and our current water supply? Vanetta, how do you end up in your position? I mean, that's a, that's a cool job. If I had your job, I'd just stay in Colorado and measure snow year-round. Thank you, Rosie, for having <laughs> us. It is a really cool job, and we do kind of look at all the snow and I water that's coming off. I bet you do. I mean, that's, that's really our lifeblood. Absolutely. It is a lifeblood, not just to the state of Arizona, but for a lot of the states that rely on the Colorado River water supplies. All right. And... I, I think it was just on the cover of the Arizona Republic uh, Sunday's edition. It said we're in a we're in a historic 1,200 year drought. All right, so I th I say we close the doors. If you're already here, you can stay. If you're not already here, stay where you are. What's what are y'all doing to manage this influx of people from everywhere? So we do have a really good allocation from the Colorado River water for the state of Arizona. We have 2.8 million acre feet. And what that means is we also have a lot of smart people like Laura here and also us and also folks from Bureau of Reclamation, the federal government, that looks at what is going on with the river. They measure the snowpack. They measure the runoff that origin, originates from the snowpack. They understand exactly how much water is being used all across the basin. They also understand how much is going to be used in the future. We also have enough data with us that kind of gets us the ability to forecast in a fairly reasonable manner how much water will be coming towards us from the basin. So we definitely take a look at exactly how much snow is going in. The other ingenuous thing that we have on the river is a number of reservoirs on the Colorado River system. We have several dams that exist on the system. The two biggest ones are Lake Powell and Lake Mead. You might have seen the white big oh, yeah. bath to bring right on what, your way we're, to Vegas. We're, we're at like 26% capacity? That is correct. Lake Powell is at 24% capacity. Wow. And Lake Mead is at 31% capacity. Now who in your department projects how many more bodies we're gonna find at Lake Mead? <laughs> Unfortunately, we, we are know, not with the police uh, or FBI. All right. We only look at water. Okay, all right. All right. That's, for the, that's for the Clark County Sheriff. <laughs> well, uh, my first boat came out of the bottom of Sewer Lake. When they drained Sewer Lake, this would be about 1968 or 69, we hooked a winch to a boat that had sunk down there and dragged that thing out, washed it up, dropped a Buick engine in it, and we had a ski boat for a few years. So you never know what you find at the bottom. But... Uh, what do you do now? Someone has determined we needed to move into tier one rationing last August. I'm hearing kind of echoes that this August, it's all but certain we'll go to tier two. two. That is correct, Rosie. So in 2022, for the first time ever, a shortage, a tier one shortage was declared on the Colorado River water. What that means is less water is being released by Lake Mead or Hoover Dam. Uh, 
It means less water is being supplied to folks in Arizona, Nevada, and also to Mexico. For Arizona, that we are taking a, a cut of about 512,000 acre feet, which is basically 30% of Central Arizona Project's normal supply and about 8% of Arizona's water use altogether. So it is a substantial reduction that we have been taking because of this tier one shortage. Who has been taking that shortage? It's mostly agricultural folks in central Arizona that has been taking the brunt of that shortage. And there's there's good news in what was done in Tier 1 rationing. There's some really good news in there. So like I mentioned, we have been looking at the system for many, many years. We have data, right? We have been looking at snowpack. We have been looking at tree ring studies. So essentially, we know that we are in a drought, which is the, it's been one of the worst droughts in the past thousand years. So we have been taking measures. We have been storing water in Lake Mead through conservation programs across the basin. And we have stored enough water to prop Lake Mead up by 65 feet. If we had not taken those conservation measures, we would have been at elevation thousand long ago. So we have been really doing a lot of things. We have had the foresight. Our Arizona ancestors have had the foresight to build the reservoirs and also to have programs that allow us to actually store water, which allows us allow us to extend the shortage we have we, we could have been taking earlier in time. I can remember the excitement in the 1980s when Lake Powell was filling so fast, they couldn't drain it fast enough to keep it from topping the dam. And then those guys put the boats in and raced to Lake Mead. That would have been thrilling. That is exactly right. In the 1980s, we had such a huge snowpack that it started to fill Lake Powell up. And the one funny thing was they do have a spillway. It's this huge. large, huge, huge spillway. Yeah. And, you know, water was just lapping up at the top of the dam. And then when they released it through the spillway, a big block of concrete came out and went down the river. And that is exactly what we are trying to avoid now, because what happens is as we as a Lake Powell level is going down, it starts to bring up air bubbles in the system. So we are trying to protect infrastructure as well. So we have been taking measures by storing more water in Lake Powell this year to ensure those blocks of concrete and things like that don't come out and people can still get water out of Powell and also Mead. And the way the river is divided, you have the Colorado River shed in its upper basin, lower basin. And the one thing that's puzzling to me, the upper basin is <clears throat> Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, Utah, New Mexico, and New Mexico. And they say Lake Powell is the upper basin reservoir. But that's downstream from all those <laughs> from all those. So how is that the upper basin reservoir? I don't quite understand that one. Sure, absolutely. So the Colorado River Basin drains parts of the seven basin states and also Republic of Mexico. And that basin is divided into two. The upper basin, which are the states of Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming. The lower basin is Arizona, California, and Nevada. And of course, we share our supplies with the Republic of Mexico. 
with the upper basin, they have to deliver a certain amount of water to the lower basin states at least ferry, which is 16 uh, kilometers below the dam, um, so below the Lake Powell. So essentially, they need to have enough storage in Lake Powell. So what they do is they the snowpack that when it melts, it creates runoff and it gets stored in several reservoirs upstream. And then that runoff then gets stored in Lake Powell. So because it's the upper basin that's releasing the water and storing it, that's why it's so important for the upper basin states. <laughs> Dan, can you see that? Big green tree where the water's running free and it's waiting there for me and you. And we've got representatives in from CAP that are responsible for delivering over a third of the water to Arizona throughout the state in their 336 mile canal that diverts. Well, it depends on your tear shortage. You know, there we're down to uh, not quite as much water as we can, but let's talk, Benita, about what, what would. You know, we didn't see the effects of Tier 1 as homeowners, as business owners. As you mentioned, it was mainly agriculture in the central part of the state. What what would a Tier 2 do for, you know, our quality of life in Arizona on, as it relates to the supply from the canal? Thank you, Romy, for that question. So, exactly. This year, we are in a Tier 1 shortage. You did not see any impacts of that. It was mostly... Um, the the brunt of it was by for the Central Arizona agriculture, so you didn't see it for the homeowners. However, as of now, we are projecting that in 2023, uh, we will be facing a tier two shortage. And homeowners do not have to panic. It's still, you are still not going to see the impacts of that yet. However, as a citizen of Arizona, knowing that we live in a desert, it is always good to start conserving earlier than usual. The reason we have not had a shortage on the Colorado River all these years, in spite of the really horrible snowpack we've been having, is because we have been very diligent. We have been very resilient. We have been storing water in Lake Mead. Similarly, you can also do your part. As homeowners, you will not face any impacts. But Arizona has had a history of coming together and averting such problems, right? So I would encourage each of your listeners to commit to at least one thing they can do to conserve water and educate yourself about what your water providers can do. They have drought plans, they have management um, issues. So definitely talk to your water providers about water conservation programs. But as of now, don't panic. Homeowners are not going to see any impact yet of tier two. What about if tier every, three. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> you know, if every homeowner could, could in the year save 10%, we wouldn't have to do anything to have room for another million people. Now, not that I'm inviting them. Now, I'm, I'm kind of a NIMBY and, uh, and being, here, being here since 65. <laughs> I kind of liked Arizona at about 2.2 million people. But if everybody just saved 10%. Absolutely. Uh, you, if everybody saved 10%, we and would not And it's pretty easy to do. Yes, absolutely. When you pay attention. Absolutely. It's it's your grass. It's the, uh, the amount of time you take to shower. Absolutely. 10% would, that is a fantastic <laughs> idea. How about tier three? Tier three. Here. Any, any projections that will hit that? And if so, <laughs> then what? And what's the final tier? Is there like a tier 10 where all the taps get <laughs> shut off? No. So as of now, tier three is the last tier. 
And as of now, based on the conditions we are in, it looks like we may be in a tier three shortage as of 2024. At tier three shortage, there might be impacts to some of the water providers, the municipalities that supply water to you. But I highly doubt the homeowners will still see too many impacts of that because wow. as a state, we have been very resilient. Our My colleague here, Laura, she will talk about that yeah. further, but we have been saving water underground. But essentially in tier three, that's not where we want to be at because once you're there, you might go down further, right? So you don't want to be in a tier three shortage. You don't want to be going below that. So do what Ro Rosie oh, tells you. Save that 10%. Just save to My daughter lives in Salt Lake City, and they're being told they will be allowed to water uh, landscaping 20 minutes a week. I mean, you can't even get a garden going at 20 minutes a week. And that's all of Salt Lake City. And they're in a completely different water supply than we are. But, I mean, that... That's what our forefathers and the, and the early settlers did in their planning of the network of reservoirs and canals that have been established. And we were just copying what the Anasazi were doing. That is for, exactly 1400 right. 1,400 years ago. Yes, yes. I mean, the tribe survived here many, 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 many years ago, right? And we can still do that. If they can survive without the reservoir systems, but they had the canals. They didn't have reservoirs. Right. We have reservoirs. And we have really smart people sitting as your water managers in the cities. They have management plans. They have drought management plans. I believe our guest before here talked about some of the uh, the, the plants that you could grow in a desert. Right. And that's what you need to listen to. We need to definitely shut off that tap when we are brushing your teeth. Just little things like that will essentially absolutely 100% save 10% of, of your own water use every day. And so the ultimate solution to this is we need like another 1980s snow pact from yeah, the Rockies. Yeah. So are, are we salt in the clouds up there? <laughs> what, what? We <laughs> How do you make more snow? More, more snow? <laughs> we Thank you. I hope that wish comes true. And we have a 1980s snow pack for four or five years in a row. Yeah. One year is not going to save us, right? And absolutely, that's a great point. We are doing that. We are doing some weather modification programs, essentially, during winter, when it's really cold and when we know there is a storm coming up, we send some silver iodide up to make it rain more or make it snow more. Oh. And in Saudi Arabia, they're using drones to zap vapor into water out of the atmosphere. I, I, we're not to that. That's like tier seven, I think. That is for correct. <laughs> All right, so we've been talking about the water supply coming in from the Colorado River. We're going to switch gears here and talk about the groundwater that's in the state. We do get about another third of our water from uh, the groundwater pumping, uh, and then the other third is coming off of uh, what SRP manages in the Salton and Verde River watersheds from in-state. And we've got uh, Laura. You are with the Central Arizona Groundwater Replenishment District, and that's an shortened to an acronym. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Romy, good morning, and it's great to be here with you and Rosie. 
And so, yes, it's it's quite a mouthful, but I am the manager of the Central Arizona Groundwater Replenishment District. And it, it's a little confusing because it sounds like we're separate from the Central Arizona Project, but we're actually a division or a department of CAP. Uh, the legislature created CAGRD, um, as, it's common, as we're commonly referred to, in the mid-90s and gave that responsibility to the Central Arizona Project. And what is that? Responsibility. Sure. So, uh, CAGRD was was like I said created in the mid '90s, and it helps water providers and landowners uh, comply with Arizona's groundwater laws. And we play an important role in Arizona's water management by replenishing groundwater that's pumped by our members. And we're, like I said, not a separate entity from CAP, but a, a department. And we therefore serve the same uh, three county service area Maricopa, Pima, and Pinal. And we're both governed uh, by the same 15 member publicly elected board. Now, yeah, we know you have how to have that... a lot of faith in your understanding of geology to be pumping water down a hole. <laughs> And, and have the faith to know it's going to be there when you want it. <laughs> that's right. Well, How do you know that reservoir is staying put? So that's a great question, <laughs> Rosie. And we are very fortunate in Arizona to have the geology that's necessary to, to replenish groundwater. And we do that through a process called recharge. And there are ways to p- actually pump the water back down into the ground, but the primary mechanism that the Central Arizona Re- Groundwater Replenishment District uses is actually delivering water through the CAP canal to large spreading basins ah. uh, in the desert. So um, these facilities are specifically designed to take this water um, and that water then infiltrates through the ground. Um, it's important or helpful to, to know um, what an aquifer is, what's underneath us under the ground, and how can water be there? Oftentimes people think of it as like an actual river or right. stream underground, but it's really layers of sand um, and gravel, and the water then percolates through the ground into the pores uh, between the sediment, uh, the sand and gravel. And so there's um, many areas in Arizona in the valley here. Uh, basin and range geology allows for really good infiltration and recharge. And that's how we manage to put back a lot of that groundwater. Just um, a, a water vault. Exactly. Well, then when you need it, you have the wells to pump it back yeah. out. Yeah. And the way you're able to do that is the allotment of water you get from the Colorado River you get to pump out. You're not using all of it, and so the excess is put into these reservoir basins for a non-rainy day. Right. Uh, The Central Arizona Groundwater Replenishment District used to use excess CAP water. Now, because of the shortages that Vanitha talked about, um, there really isn't any excess uh, groundwater for for CAGRD to replenish. So 
gosh, starting back in 2012. Are you, are you out of a job? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I don't want you to lose your job. No, no. Uh, we've been planning for a long okay. time All for right. this day. Right. Uh, back in 2012, um, the CAGRD established its own water supply program so that we could uh, obtain our own supplies, renewable supplies, so that we can continue to ensure that we replenish our members' uh, groundwater pumping. So we actually have a CAP uh, subcontract ourselves. We lease water from um, tribes, such as the Gila River Indian community. Um, We also have a 100-year effluent lease uh, with Liberty Utilities. And so we partnered on a recharge project together uh, with that utility. And um, we also then purchase um, uh, what we call long-term storage credits from Liberty Utilities once that effluent is recharged into the ground. So we have a lot of different supplies, and we're well-positioned going into these shortages. Do you fight when you travel the country do you fight the same issues i fight and people are saying how can you keep putting roofs up how can you keep moving people there and they they want to make me feel so guilty Rosie, you're right. We definitely get that question a lot. And, you know, some statistics from the Department of uh, Arizona Department of Water Resources shows that from I think it was back in the 40s or 50s, um, Arizona's population um, has grown by five times, yeah. as you can imagine, oh, right? Yeah, a yeah. lot of people want to come here. It's a wonderful place to live. And our water use, guess what, has stayed the same. That's an incredible It's stayed statistic. the same. And it's because, one, there's some shifting of where water's used. Um, farms use um, a certain amount of water, and maybe a housing development will come in and take over that water use. Houses use a little less than farms. So there's there's a component of that in that in those statistics, but also there's been a lot of uh, work at con- conserving. And in 1980, Arizona passed the Groundwater Management Act, and that was is it was and still is one of the toughest sets of groundwater laws in the country. And it regulated groundwater pumping in most of Arizona's populated areas, and it, it regulated agricultural use, municipal use, and industrial use. It also created the Assured Water Supply Program, and that is really the cornerstone of Arizona's commitment to water management, and it provides important consumer protection, and this is really important, to the homeowner, so that when you buy a home in many areas in Arizona, you're assured a 100-year supply of water. And that's certainly something that I think many of us would want to have when we make that investment. And... The Arizona legislature created the Central Arizona Groundwater Replenishment District to provide water providers and landowners that relied on groundwater a mechanism um, to meet their 100-year assured supply requirements. So that's what we do, and we do that by, again, working with the water providers uh, that serve our members learn how much uh, from our water providers, how much groundwater they're serving to our members, and then we go ahead and replenish that water. Is there a limit to how many private wells can be drilled in these water management districts? Is that regulated at all? That's regulated by the Department of Water Resources. Okay, so there is some... Yes, there, um, most, most, um, uh, and there, and it's, and there's specifics and and exceptions, but, um, um, 
wells that are over um, a common domestic well size have oh. to have to be permitted by the Department of Water Resources. So um, the department does uh, keep a registry of all the wells in the state. And Romy has the Farm Bureau in here on a regular basis. I think we need to tip our hat to the agriculture industry and what they've done mm-hmm. over the decades in the investment they've made in conserving water. Of course. Because they've really invested big time privately. Yes, there's been a lot. Um, all of the sectors in Arizona have worked um, very hard um, year after year, decade after decade, to continue to um, improve their efficiency and get better and better at the amount of water uh, that they use to do whatever they do, whether it's growing crops or, or serving uh, customers or even, um, say, in any industry, too. Now, to be a devil's advocate... What, what do, how do we, how do we justify the city that's going to be occupied in Cochise County on the Santa Cruz and that whole Wilcox area where they're, they're talking, they're going to go in there and master plan another community for a hundred thousand people? Well, again, the, the, the CAGRD, that's outside of CAGRD service area, um, we we really are are not um, we're in that okay. Maricopa Pima and Pinal counties okay. and um, so that's a little bit out of my. Uh, I just know enough ranchers expertise. back in that in that southeast corner of the state that are really scratching their heads saying, "Really, we're going to move a hundred thousand people to Wilcox." Well, it, there is a balance, and I think that's what Arizona water management is about. You're always looking at that balance of water users and trying to make sure that each of those um, you know, industries, whether it be um, agriculture or um, uh, cattle uh, yeah, it, or dairy. housing, dairy, yeah, yeah. right, um, how do we coexist and, and, uh, and balance that water, you know, water use? Well, I had several folks from out of the area send me pictures of this photograph that made it viral of Las Vegas straw in Lake Mead, four inches above the waterline. <laughs> and, and they're saying, okay, Rosie, explain this to us, you know? Right. So I say, look, that's Arizona. That's not Arizona. Arizona really is the, 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 per, the as good an example of water planning, right. preservation, and utilization than any other place I'm aware of. Well, and just think, it really, depending on where you live in Arizona, you're either going to be, um, your water provider is going to be serving you surface water, groundwater, or a combination of both of those, maybe some effluent, uh, reclaimed water. And so no matter what source of water you're getting from your water provider, every drop is, is precious. And I think that's where that connection of conservation uh, comes in that we were talking about in the first half of the, the hour. Talking water. Romy, what's that? What's that uh, John Wayne quote? Whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. What is it? What is that old saying? <laughs> In the desert, out west, yes. Whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. And we're talking water uh, allocation and water ground management with CAP, the Central Arizona Project Canal. And, you know, I, well, I, I'm, 
I was going to okay. cover some some other things that have been suggested on other ways to pipe water into Arizona, but that's a completely separate topic. That's a completely <laughs> separate topic. Given the choice of Sea of Cortez or the Snake River, I'd, I'd like a straw from the Snake River, but we'll get to that in another day. Miss Laura, again, groundwater replenishment, just a, just a huge aspect of the planning necessary to ensure safe future growth. Yes, Rosie, it's so important. And um, I I wanted to let uh, the listeners know that we recently launched a new member locator tool on our website. So if you've been listening today and you're wondering, hey, I wonder if I am in the Central Arizona Groundwater Replenishment District, am I a member? Um, you can go to uh, centralarizonaproject.com and you can look for the CAGRD tab at the top. And from there, search Membership Locator, and a tool will pop up, and you can put your address in there, and you can see if you are inside or outside the CAP, or I'm sorry, the CAGRD. And we have two types of members in the GRD. Uh, One member is uh, a city, town, or private water company can enroll in the CAGRD, or we can have individual subdivisions enroll as what we call member lands. And I think that's kind of important to the listeners because depending on what kind of member uh, your, your property falls under, you could be paying for replenishment services through your water bill or you could be paying on your property tax. Uh, bill. So that's kind of an important distinction to make. Uh, and um, the, the locator tool is easy to use. And we also have very um, helpful links on there, too, about other things about the CAGRD, what we're up to, application forms, etc. And also, um, if you're in the GRD, you'll find a link to your water provider. And so you can click on that link to your water provider. You can learn more about your water provider, um, what conservation programs they may have. They may have some rebate programs um, to incentivize you. Um, maybe it's- I've, 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 I've turned over a thousand square feet of TIF lawn in okay, my backyard. There you go. City of Scottsdale said, you know, you get rid of a thousand square feet, we'll credit you a dollar a square foot. Exactly. And that was the one, okay. That, that's it's the, wonderful. That's the last piece of persuasion I needed to right. quit mowing that section of the yard. Right. You're saving water and you're saving money. And right now, saving both are so important. So, um, and I think, let's see, you know, I was shocked. Um, we, we also, beca- because we're not a direct water provider ourselves, um, it's, we still want to support um, conservation and conservation efforts. And so we support the great conservation mes- messaging of regional partners like Water Use It Wisely. Yeah. And I was on their website the other day. They have hundreds of tips uh, for the consumer on ways that you can save water either indoors or outdoors. And I was shocked to learn, and I, and I work in this business, that um, as high as up to 70% of Arizona's residential water use comes from outdoor watering. It is. That's, so, that's where all your consumption is. Right. So uh, that's really the best place to start. Um, if you have an irrigation system, check it out. Is it is it proper? properly functioning? Um, Are there ways you can cut back and still keep your trees that you talked about um, in the last hour healthy and your grass healthy? Um, You can, uh, one tip that was on the um, 
uh, Water Use It Wisely site was group plants um, with the same watering needs together in your yard. So you don't have to overwater your whole yard for just certain plants. Um, there's also uh, Xeriscape and low water use plant options on there to help you pick if you're you know, just newly starting and, and, and planting new landscape. And a lot of times when we talk about this, people always come back and say, well, what about golf courses? What about all the city <laughs> parks? What about this? A lot of that is reclaimed water. And yes. you don't want that water delivered to your house. <laughs> right. But yes, we're lucky. Many of the golf courses in the valley here um, are on reclaimed water. And, and large turf treated, is... Treated tre- sewer water. Exactly. Just- <laughs> right, right. It, Again, you don't want that coming to your tap. <laughs> right. So, um, so... Uh, and and the, the Department of Water Resources also um, looks, if they're using groundwater, they're also um, looking at the amount that the, the, the golf courses use, and they have allotments that they have to stick to. So make sure, again, that they're they're using their water efficiently. And you and I have drank out of the city of Scottsdale affluent water purification system. We both had a big old glass out of it. We'll try not to think about it, but yeah. <laughs> well, they served us two big glasses of water at the, at the treatment center there at the 101 in Pima, and we drank it, and they said, now, that was flushed in a toilet it, up in Carefree it's very about, clean. About, about three hours ago. It's oh, very clean. When, when you drink it, it's very clean. It, it is. It, it is. absolutely it is. It, is. it absolutely is. So those are all the types of uh, planning and technology and infrastructure and resources that we've put together. I wanted in this hour, if nothing else, to give the Arizona homeowners kind of a kind of a calm about the topic, but an encouragement to save where they can. So we appreciate y'all coming in and help help share that message. And thank you for all the good work. And thank you, Rosie. And uh, keep it up. Oh, we will. <laughs> we sure will. And we've really appreciated the opportunity to come and talk to you and your listeners about this really important topic. And Arizona Water Facts is another great resource to go to that I think needs to be put out there more because it does break it down by the numbers and you know that those are facts. So many times I I hear or see because I've got you know filters for any topic waters that come up in the desert and the the misreporting or um, the, the number magic that they, that, that end up in there just is, is aggravating because then if people believe that they're making decisions based off of false information and you're never going to solve a problem that way. Right. Well, thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us again. Uh, CAP, uh, is Central Arizona Project Canal. You can get their water, uh, know your water newsletter that goes out weekly. It's a great resource to keep up with your Arizona water supply.